Hello and welcome to Heart Yoga Radio. I hope you're all well. And today, once again, we come to visit our old friend Lao Tzu. Dive into the Tao Te Ching. We are on chapter 78 now, nearly at the end. So as usual, let's have a little read through and then see what we think. So I'll hand you over to my actual husband, Dr. Yates, to do his thing. Chapter 78. Nothing in the world is softer than water. But we know it can wear away the hardest of things. The supple overcomes the hard, and the so-called weak, the strong. People know this, but no one quite believes it. The sage always shoulders the blame and the grief. That is why he is fit to rule. He takes on his nation like a world as if it was the world, and so it is. And the truth that is the truth is often a paradox. Well, there's a few things going on there. Whenever I ever read through these things before we uh, before we do them, I always have a pang of <laughs> sadness when uh, it is describing this like wonderful ruler, <laughs> and then you know you just remember what we've got yeah. and what like most of the world has. It's like oh, <laughs> if only. If only we could have some rulers like that and actually just maybe just did care just a little bit. Yeah, the, 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 the Lao Tzu concept of someone who would rule a society is pretty well the antithesis of the, the one that rules and is generally accepted in the political classes at the moment in our world. Our, 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 our rulers... They don't shoulder the blame and the grief. They certainly don't. What they do is pass the blame to somebody else as fast as they can. Yeah. I mean, the t our Tory government is still blaming the last Labour government, uh, which was 13 years ago. Uh, and even though uh, to regard them as in any way blameless would be silly, because they certainly <laughs> weren't. You yeah. know, they, uh, oh, they committed an illegal and atrocious war, you know, amongst all the ghastly, shitty things that they did. They did a couple of good things as well, fair enough. That's the way of it. But they certainly aren't to blame for what the Tories have done for the last 13 years. No. But they'll always, they'll always, they'll always shift the blame. We have the spectacle of Rishi Sunak saying that he'd inadvertently forgot to mention the X tens of millions that he just invested in a company which... Uh, has somehow been awarded a government contract for, <laughs> by one of yes. his relatives or we his friends. We all totally believe that one. And, and yeah. oh, I don't know, I can't remember. I mean, the details, one scarcely needs to bother to remember the details because these scandals come day after day after after day yeah. after day. They shift the blame. They don't behave as though the nation is like a world. In other words, if you were responsible for the world, and you took that responsibility seriously. And one would hope you took it seriously if you'd landed yourself in the position of being responsible for it. You would know that great care and attention and love and care, absolute care, carefulness, would, would, would be the order of the day. 
you know, you that that is the that would be the ultimate responsibility. Now, this is his way of saying that that you know, actually getting to rule a country or being in some sort of governmental position in any large society is is a massive and onerous responsibility if one takes it as it should be taken. But no, I was. guys, they just proceed with just reckless greed. It's just reckless greed and plunder. It's a kleptocracy, yeah. you know. So they are. They, uh, he's giving us a picture that it's uh, as he as he says, you know. No one can quite believe it. And in fact, it, as a part of our political culture, no one believes. No one believes that a humane approach to politics and political life. Is, is, is even remotely feasible. They call it student politics. They call it fantasy politics. They call it pipe dreams. And yet, you know, and, 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 and every political opposition has to claim that same kind of hardness. And this is what it is. We are the hard people. We are the grown-ups. Children are, children are soft. Children are, are sensitive. But grown-ups are hard. And this is grown-up politics. At last the grown-ups are in charge. These are the, the tropes repeated endlessly, endlessly, endlessly in endless media. And no one can quite believe it. Well, it's pretty. It's little wonder that no one can quite believe that something better is possible. Because you're fed with this notion that realpolitik uh, trumps everything. Trumps everything. You'll never be able to do anything humane in government. You're going to have to do something draconian and hard. And of course, this is macho politics. This is boys' politics. You know, this, this, um, this swaggering, this dick swinging. You know, he's the opposite of that. He's the, he's the exact opposite, and no one can quite believe it. We are actually told, minute to minute, day to day, that that only real politic, only violence, is possible and doable. And we are on the spectacle now. And it, uh, uh, that before very long in the UK there'll be a general election. I think the longest they can wait now is January 25, something like. I don't know what it is exactly, but it's it it, it really is only a matter of uh, months away. And of course, an election could be called earlier, right? So the political wisdom is that the current government, after 13 years and after certainly some number of years of disaster upon disaster. I mean, our country is in is 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 in meltdown. Yeah. So it's it's all it's almost a certainty that the op the opposition will 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 be in and will be able to form a government. The so-called like because they are just like a tiny tiny fraction bit better than the Tories. Well, they might they may not even be better. They it's just it's just be it's just the, 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 the one qualification is they are not them. Yeah. Now what I'm trying to uh, highlighted is the way in which now they're a shtick on, on the media which of course is, is the loyal opposition they get a lot of media attention the shtick is to say oh well the Tories have fucked it up we can't do anything Starmer goes on and Rachel Reeves goes on the telly and they say to Sky News they say well um, they've made such a mess of the economy we aren't going to be able to do all these things that we promised before straight well, away it's going to take it, it's going to take us one term to put it right and this that and the other and i mean there are historical precedents i.e 1945 yeah. that show that that is just plain wrong but 
but the point of it is that standing up there and saying we're hard we are the grown-ups this is hard politics this is the politics that you all believe in because you have been absolutely browbeaten into accepting that a, a softer kinder gentler more humane world and a politics that will deliver goods for people en masse is not a possibility I say, this is why I like that too, I say that business as usual, which is what you're promoting, Keir Starmer, is not an option. And what the Koch brothers are proposing, which is more and more and more and more fossil fuel burning, is not an option. None of it's an option. So we've got a political class who's the antithesis of, of Lao Tzu's vision, for whom... Business as usual has to go on, and that is the business of hardness, of conquest, of plunder, of exploitation, of destruction, of death, of patriarchy, of, of treating people like slaves. And of course, that is that is our reality, you know. And this does seem like a pipe dream compared with what we have. And plus, take into account, you know, the the relentless propaganda to say there is no other way. Psychopaths rule, okay. Now, Lao Tzu Sage is the opposite of a psychopath. You know, he's, a he's touchy feely, and, he and yet, and yet, he's a politician of some sort. You know. So, well, what, 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 what is it that nobody can quite believe? Well, that nothing in the world is softer than water, and it will overcome the hardest of things. I mean, it's, it is a fact. I mean, one of, one of my uh, hobbies, I don't have many hobbies, but one of my hobbies is to is to go onto the beach and there's a little bit where it's a bit shingly and to just walk around there looking down and find a really, really smooth pebble. <laughs> you know, get a life, I know, you know, but that's, you, got, you know, my hobbies is like looking for very smooth pebbles on, on the beach, you know, and you, you get a smooth one and you rub it between your fingers. You can't believe how smooth it is. It's like billions and billions and billions of years of being ground by the sea, just ground and ground and ground, you know, until it's it's, it's smoother than glass. Similarly, go up, up and, and sit, sit at the bottom of one of these waterfalls around here, and and look at look at see the stones and the rocks. It's worn away, worn away. It's taken billions of years, but it got there. You know, it's a slow path. The, the soft path, the slow path. <laughs> well, maybe it's the instant path. Who knows? And we have the but, Grand Canyon and other things like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, over the, a the, very the, long time the, of the, water. The, the whole surface of the world is the story. The story of nothing is softer than water, yet nothing can resist it. There is a glimmer of hope in, in this, even though I, I do believe in realistic hope rather than unrealistic hope. I think pipe dreams do. do get us into a mess you know and the grown-ups have got that one thing right but you have to be careful with your pipe dreams you test them you know you 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 you, you subject them to criticism right and you modify but nevertheless there's a truth there there's a truth there that water will always come back and wear away and wear away and wear away the stone eventually to nothing and in politics that means that steady 
unrelenting resistance, though it might be kind of quite soft in its nature. If it if it's if it's unrelenting, which is what water is, it's unrelenting. Mm. The river flowing over those rocks don't stop. Maybe you get the drought now and then, but basically it's flowing year in year out for thousands and thousands and thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of years. You know. And it's that persistence, and that, that that is how the people can win in this terrible situation. Which, if it does continue as it's continuing, will will sort of pretty well immiserate all of us and wipe out a good many of us. There's no doubt about that. You know, business as usual is not an option. Lao Tzu's telling you that two and a half thousand years ago, but we've got all these grown-ups in the room. Oh shit. You know. And Trump pretending to be a tough guy, oh, gosh. And, and actually he couldn't oh. knock this, he couldn't knock the skin off a rice pudding, but he can do enough of a, 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 a an amdram on it, yeah, to persuade some of the the less perspicuous voters in the US that he's, he's the man because he's a strong tough guy. Tough guy politics, the ultimate antithesis antithesis of Lao Tzu is the notion that a strong man rules, that we need a Fuhrer. You know, it's an idea that uh, Mussolini patented and um, uh, Hitler licensed and Orban and the arsehole in Italy whose name escaped me uh, are kind of busily, busily kind of reprising, you know. But there is hope, and the hope is that if we persist, we can be quite kind of low-key, but if we persist and persist and persist, we'll, we'll get there. What we don't have, that Lao Tzu did have, is time. Yeah. We don't have time now. You know, we don't have time now. I think about that all the time. Yeah, there I isn't a lot of time this, now. This, the urgency of it all. Yeah. But no one quite believes it. And I will say that, that, that it's... That this soft way is incredibly, incredibly subtle. The hard is the easy way, and also it's the most uh, visible way because it happens a, a lot quicker. Yeah. Like so, I mean, the reason let's say to go back to the water thing. If uh, people didn't know that the the stones in the the base of the waterfall were smooth because of the water, they'd think, oh, they're just always they've always been like that. Yeah. Because in their living memory, they were always like that. Yeah. Well, God, <laughs> because God, it happened yeah. so slowly that yeah. no. Uh, maybe one very old person might be able to see a change in one rock like yeah. over their lifetime yeah. but yeah. Uh, it's it's you know sort of yeah. invisible to what our, our yeah, that, perception that, that, that of time whereas the kind of mm. the, the cruelty stuff and the, the heavy handed uh, wars and all you know all, all the kind of shitty nasty things they happen kind of like quickly and they leave an impression oh yes this yeah. this this makes changes whereas the slow water method can't be perceived hmm. so easily yeah uh, i mean well, certainly the, the hard approach to the affairs of the world and the affairs of life produces more spectacular events which get in the news attract people focus their minds and become the common sense. Spectac you need spectacular events to create the common sense. You know, and the, a lot of the water stuff isn't very spectacular, though it can be. It can be. It is spectacular. People grow up thinking, oh, like, oh, the stones have always been like that. Yeah. Oh, you know, we we've always said, you know, women have always had equal pay. 
you know, yeah. or, or they, you know, they, yeah. or, or something that they've just grown up with. So it's the whole of their life is yeah. like that, and they just think that's how it is. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, you you got the same thing with regard to vaccinations. You know, if you got a whole whole kind of generation of people for for three four generations, I've never seen a case of smallpox. I have seen cases of polio, but not recently, mm. not since the nineteen sixties. You know, yeah, so I've, they all grow up thinking, well, we don't need these vaccines because we're all perfectly healthy. Well, they don't, don't even think they don't even diseases. think that any of that came about through through those developments. It's it's like oh, you, it's a, it's my strong immune system is why I've never had smallpox. It's not. You can have the strongest immune system in the world if if you get the smallpox in you, it's going to fuck you. You know, it's got a 30-40% chance of killing you, whatever it is, it's it's higher than COVID, you know. It's got a good chance of killing you, and it'll, it'll sky you for life if it don't kill you. So, but you've never seen it, so it doesn't exist, and all we need to do is, like, eat our greens, you know. And believe in ourselves. Yeah, so, so there is to do, there is stuff, as you rightly uh, intuit there, about what we perceive immediately around us as well, you know. So a spectacle is bound to impress us more. Like a war, invade Iraq, blow up the towers, the towers in New York, you know, whatever. Spectacle. You know, drop a nuclear weapon on a city in Japan. Spectacle. Spectacle, you know, and the, the, so the soft has that against it, you know, as a, stra as a strategy. And it... it Lao Tzu's always hyperbolic. He's always exaggerates slightly. I mean, he's in full recognition of, you know, the um, the rhetorical nature of what he's saying, saying here, you know. Whilst at the same time, the, the, the essence of truth in there should be enough to, to make you think, well, I'm not, not going to give up. I'm not giving up. I'm not going to take it that business as usual is, is an option. It's not. And there's a little bit of, bit of hope here, you know. I suppose some people might want to want to raise the example of the independence of India. There's the example of Gandhi with his notion that the sheer force of truth and, 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 and passive resistance, passive civil disobedience would would do the trick. And it was certainly a very, very big player in the Indian scenario and the gaining of Indian independence. But there were, there were other factors. There were violent factions in the movement. Up to and including um, Chandra Bose's uh, regiment, uh, which uh, teamed up with the Japanese in World War Two and, and fought with the Japs against the British and the Indians. You know, cause the, the Indian army was a, a branch of the British Empire and fought on its behalf. But uh, Chandra Bose fought with the Japanese, with, with a group of blokes, and then spent his, spent his spare time hobnobbing with Hitler in, uh, in, in, in Germany. You know, so there was a whole range of people struggling for Indi Indian independence, many of whom exposed, you know, violence if necessary. The, the idea that Gandhi single-handedly liberated India from the British Raj is, is not quite true if you kind of go into the detail. Though it's a myth that the world powers, the powers that be in the world are quite eager to, 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 put, to push forward, you know, to bracket out the fact that some people were prepared for like a more violent and 
difficult and maybe an armed struggle. You know, so you in in the reality of history and realpolitik, you have to you have to resist the temptation to jump too quickly to conclusions about about this power. It's a slow power, but it but it it does offer us hope in our situation. Yeah. I wish Sir Lao Tzu was around now and uh, could write this again from the point of view of living in our time. Yeah. Well, it, 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 in many ways, it's utterly, utterly dissimilar. And in many ways, it's utterly similar. I mean, it, 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 he would have to factor in the, the effect the, of... The time problem. Well, the technology, I would oh, say. And, I would, I would say yeah, and, course, I would, yeah. and there's certainly one particular thing about the technology that he would have to take, take account of, and that's just the speed with which information is transmitted. It would have took you a month to get a message to the other end of the other end of the the the, the empire, the, you know, the other end of the middle kingdom, as it was called. And now our technology is so good that it only takes three weeks to send you a text, thanks to the the new people who've taken over our telephone service. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. No, but ser seriously, that 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 massive information, true and false. And the speed with which it's transmitted amongst such a large population. I doubt there wasn't a billion people on the earth when he was writing, you know. Yeah. And and also total environmental destruction uh, wasn't. Yeah. Um, but he was not. He was noticing it even then that yeah. you, you you had to sort of you, you got a good result of living in our context, which is nature, so called, you know, the ecosphere. If you cooperated with it, if you behaved in a soft and water-like fashion, if you're hard, you quickly degraded the soil. You can degrade soil in a few years, and you can poison water overnight. Yeah, oh, yeah. So he was alert to it even then, and of course it's it's a it's hundred times, a thousand times more intense now. You would have some other factors to deal with, but nevertheless, there is a truth in here. And I'd say our resistance needs to be very, very persistent. And there are many, many people on the planet who, who are full of resistance. It's probably the majority of people when pushed come to shove. If we could sit them here and question them, we'd find that at some level they're going to resist. They, they are in a posture of resistance, actually. Many, many, many people on this planet. I would say the majority of people on this planet are in a posture of resistance against business as usual. But that, that that resistance isn't consistent. It's not there day after day, flowing, pressing, pressing, pressing. It, you know, it gets offered some bribes. Things, things, emergencies subside and so forth. And people go along with it, and then something happens, and then they're you know they they, they once again they galvanise to resist. But resistance is inconsistent. It's also fragmented also fragmented it, it, and you see it in the so-called left say in Britain and in the US how many like splinter groups there are and uh, 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 I think they realize they now need to talk to each other to provide a consistent resistance and I do a cons hope so and a consistent counterforce yeah so it's not just resistance it's I mean the water is very very proactive in its act of wearing down the stone it's not just what sitting there waiting for the stone to come to it it bombards the stone with water day after day after day, decade after decade, 
century after century, millennium after millennium. That's how it does it. And 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 this is the message I'm getting here. So it's so the resistance is there, but we've got to channel it into in, into something consistent and something that's also it, it's a resistance, but it's also proactive. It's also like the water. It takes itself to the star. It doesn't wait for the stone to come to it, you know. So there is, it's not a passivity. It's very, very wrong to imagine that we can just passively, we all just passively roll over and suck our thumbs that, that the world, you know, that we, we, we will overcome. It, it won't go like that. It just needs persistence and focus and solidarity, solidarity. And solidarity. And solidarity. And the truth is that the truth is often a paradox. You know, the idea that the soft can overcome the hard, that the weak can overcome the strong, that the ordinary can overcome the oligarchs, and that capitalist realism that threw Mark Fisher into such despair does not apply. We can imagine a different world. The capitalist realism insight that it's easier to imagine the end of the world than the end of capitalism is the psychological weight that we, that we have to overcome to move forward. You know. And of course Lao Tzu is saying, well, there is something. You know. A steady, persistent resistance, like water against stone, you 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 will eventually overcome. Well, folks, I hope you all found that interesting, maybe a little bit useful as well. And uh, if you're tearing your hair out in despair because of what's happening in the world, just know that you're not alone. We have hardly any hair left here. <laughs> <laughs> So um, before we, we finish, we're just going to end with uh, an exciting announcement about the upcoming talks that uh, Pete's going to be doing. And uh, actually, the theme of the talk keys in quite nicely with uh, what we've just been talking about. So I hope uh, you'll find that interesting too. Hello and welcome to Heart Yoga Radio. So before this podcast begins, we want to make an exciting announcement. We have finally come up with uh, a theme and dates for the live talks that we've been promising you for such a long time now. So Pete's going to be delivering these talks and we're going to be doing it on Sunday afternoons because we feel that that would be a nice quiet time for people to be able to take some time out of the week and engage with the, the topics. So I'm just going to give you the dates. We're going to start on Sunday the 15th of October from one till three o'clock, that's our time in Britain. And then the 22nd of October, the 29th, then the 5th of November, and then the last one, the 12th of November, it's gonna be just a general discussion, questions and answers, just to ramble around and the, the ideas presented in the talks and you can ask Pete the questions that you, you the burning questions which I'm sure you'll have so the four talks are all going to be interlocking and interrelated so we've decided that we're going to present them as a course and charge 
20 quid for the, the full four, but each one will stand alone. So if you do miss one, uh, don't let that put you off coming to the rest or even the, you know, the, the, the live discussion one, which is the, the, fifth, the fifth one at the end. So the theme of this course is going to be the apocalypse and you. So a bit of a humorous title for a serious topic, but many things to say about it. And we hope that everything that's going to be presented in these talks will be of, of great help to you and interest to you on a very personal level, but also in a way which will be useful in how you interact with the world. So self and world, we wanted it to be quite as complete as possible. So we put a lot of thought into this. So I'm going to pass you over to Dr. Yates and he's going to give you an overview of the whole course and then break down week by week what it is that we're going to do. I'm greatly looking forward to doing this with you. Yeah, it's going to be nice to interact with people, isn't it? Yeah. Finally. Yeah. This series of live talks is designed to help you to navigate the apocalyptic tenor of our contemporary world. Or as we say on the street the way in which everything's going to shit. Rather than presenting a dogmatic or doctrinaire conclusion about what is actually going on, or offering you a self-help panacea for, for your psychological ills, we hope instead to identify and ask the relevant questions. This is the starting point of any inquiry. Find the right question. And from there... We'll move on to suggesting how you yourself might fruitfully engage with those questions. The first talk is entitled The Apocalypse and You, which is also the title of the entire course. And that's where we outline the problem. Uh, the problem has many sub-problems, many aspects, uh, amongst which uh, we'll be considering uh, the question, why are we even talking this way? Is there indeed... A looming apocalypse, or, or are we the prey to fear-mongering? We also ask the question of what responses do we actually find in the world, in our universe of discourse, to the, the ideas that are being put out, that, that there are certain sort of doom-laden doom scenarios unfolding, ecological collapse and so forth. So... What are we being told about that itself by the various media? From there, it's, it becomes necessary to ask how such ideas are circulated. How do they get to us? What's going on? Who pays? What's the money set up? What's, what, what, what ideologically is at stake in, in the various games of trying to attract our attention? So how are such ideas circulated? And then also, of necessity, we then have to engage with this other question of how one discerns which stories, if any, are trustworthy or untrustworthy. How do we decide where the trustworthiness of what we're told of a story? And that's a, that is a biggie in this day and age. So that that that's the first. That's what the first talk will cover. All all of those, and then. In, in talk two, we examine the subjective aspects of all this, so-called subjective. In, in other words, we examine the lived experience of people, of individual people, in this situation that we're outlining. 
And we'll be concentrating there on the so-called negative emotions of anger, fear, hatred, and so on, and on the condition of ignorance. At this point, we introduce the idea of a positive trauma, uh, which is something very intense that happens to you, that changes you, but changes you in a good way, as opposed to giving you PTSD or whatever. And uh, we suggest that that these very intense experiences positively traumatising experiences uh, have, a, have a very core role in intense spiritual experience. That's the, that's the second talk. The third talk, we just simply ask Socrates his root question, how is life to be lived? And we examine Socrates' contention that an unexamined life is not worth living. The fourth and final talk, we introduce the yoga discipline of letting be with bright awareness. And we relate that discipline to the questions we've engaged with in the previous talks. In other words, from the perspective of, of uh, the discipline and the results of the discipline, how do the questions we've been asking look? What do they look like? How do we entertain them? How do they, how do they register with us, given that we might be entertaining a yogic state of being through this discipline? And then there is, as Anna mentioned, a final session where we'll, we'll engage in general discussion, Q&A and so forth. But there Something is going to be, a, uh, the last half hour of every uh, yeah. talk, there's going to be like a Q&A session yes, then yeah. too. Yeah, There'll so. be a Q&A for each of the four talks, but the, the fifth session will be a much a much more open general general discussion, but obviously with a and a element. So that's, that's what's going to happen. If you want to express an interest now, that would be great and we, we would welcome it. And your best bet is to email me at my email address which you can find on the podbean heart yoga page which is peteyates.podbean.com uh, you can find the, my email address there uh, but I'm going to say it to you now because it's easy to remember my email address is info at peteyates.uk info at peteyates one word lowercase no spaces dot uk not dot co dot uk dot uk and please please get in touch and tell me that you're interested so in in within the next week i, I will uh, have a page a website page with all the details of this talk how to pay how to log in how to use Zoom if you haven't used it before, and so on. Everything you need will be there, and including a summary of what we're going to cover as well. Oh, and just uh, the reason we haven't put a live link to the to Pete's email is because whenever we do that, Pete's like drowns in spam, yeah. don't you? So yeah. uh, that's that's the reason that uh, we haven't just put like a, a, oh, yeah. a live link to your email address yeah, in yeah. the the right up yeah. underneath this podcast. Anyway, folks. I hope that sounds interesting to everybody. It took us quite a long time to come up with that, so I think it will be a true work of art. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I hope you're all well, and on with the podcast.